Hey everyone, Eric Grenier here, and welcome to the 61st episode of the RIT Podcast. The 2021 election campaign was a rough one for the Green Party of Canada. For the first time in nearly 20 years, the party failed to run close to a full slate of candidates and captured only a little over 2% of the vote across the country. The Greens emerged with two seats, one fewer than they had at dissolution. Annemie Paul, whose time as leader was fraught with internal divisions, lost in her own riding and resigned. Now the party is searching for her replacement and a path forward. Of the six candidates, only one is a familiar name to those outside of Green Party circles, and that's former leader Elizabeth May. To chat about the state of the Green leadership race and some recent developments that suggest the party isn't over some of that internal feuding, I'm joined by the CBC's David Thurton. Hi, David. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Eric. Good to be here. So we should probably start with 2021. It feels like it's uh, a long time ago, but the party has really just been dealing with a lot of issues for the last really 18 months when there was really a Janica Atwin left the party. She was a Green MP. She crossed the floor to the Liberals. And that just seemed to start a whole domino effect of things happening with the party. So it was a rough campaign. I think it hurt a lot of feelings within the party itself. How has the party tried to recover since then? Yeah, so the party has been in rebuild mode for the last couple of months and talking to people publicly and internally, they saw this leadership race as their chance to to continue that rebuilding and to show Canadians and Greens that, hey, we're still a force in Canadian politics. We've gotten our act together. The situation involving our former leader, Annemie Paul, is behind us and we're ready to turn a new leaf. Well, I think you could say that they have turned a new leaf, but not in the way that they've wanted. We're seeing more of this infighting and this turmoil and just a party that doesn't seem to have its act together and seems to be struggling, maybe not with the same issues that we saw with Paul, but a lot of the similar issues around allegations of discrimination, issues with governance and and, and, and leaks to the media that really just shows that maybe the party isn't ready to, to govern and is ready for prime time. It was one of the issues that contributed to the drop in support for the Greens last time, that people just saw all this stuff happening. The Green Party is supposed to be, and it is in some of the provinces, a not a party like the others, that they don't do things like the other parties. But when I think a lot of Canadians saw this kind of stuff happening within the party, it just made the Greens look like every other party. What I find interesting about what's happening with the Greens is that when we see this stuff with other parties, it's usually between MPs or leaders or uh, you know elected officials. But a lot of this is like internal, almost human resources kind of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's important to mention, and you mentioned it, like the Greens aren't like other parties. And they say that. You hear it all the time. They do politics differently. Uh, and so they have a very direct membership driven form of democracy. They are radically transparent and, you know, that kind of lends itself to messy and sometimes chaotic politics. Democracy is very tough, but I think even among Greens who believe that the last couple of, of I, well, we got to say years going back to 2021, you know, this, this surprises a lot of them and they're very uncomfortable with that. And it comes back, I think, well, not I think, people within the party say it comes back to, you know, there's something wrong with green governance. There's something wrong with 
uh, the way the party is managed, the checks, the balances, the safety valves, are they in place? I haven't been able to really put my hand on that, but you keep hearing that from people within the party that the tough, hard work of making sure the certain structures are in place, not just in terms of ordinary governance, but also making sure that equity and diversity and and uh, is, is, is respected, wasn't in place before enemy Paul got into the leadership chair. It wasn't in place when she was there. And after she's left, it, it, it seems as if that that hasn't, they haven't really learned from that. I'm hearing from Greens, you know, on, on all sides of this, who've said that, look, we have been doing the work, we have been putting things in place. It's just the last couple of, 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 of weeks have been a series of unfortunate events. Uh, and they're committed to, to this party and making sure that uh, they put the necessary things in place, Eric. Well, let's talk about those last few weeks, because mm -hmm. uh, honestly, I've heard more about the Green Party president and some of the issues happening within the party than I have about the candidates. Um, and, you know, maybe that's our media's failing. I don't know. But yeah, if you're a party, that's not what you want people to be talking about. You should be putting your candidates, uh, you know, front and center. So what has been going on over the last few weeks? Because it's been, uh, there's even talk that maybe the leadership race would be postponed, which is just an incredible thing to be talking about a month before the first round of voting. Yeah, yeah, no, totally, totally. So, I mean, so this, these, these issues uh, started about three weeks ago, I would say, at the party's leadership launch event. So the Greens don't have a lot of money, so they're trying to do things in a very low-cost way. So, you know, COVID, for the most part, a lot of restrictions have been reduced. We've returned to in-person events. The Greens, because of their financial situation, haven't. So they hosted an event on Zoom about three weeks ago. And a lot of speeches were supposed to be given by not just the candidates, but within among party leaders. And interim leader Amita Kirtner logged into the Zoom event and noticed that their pronouns were incorrect. So Dr. Kirtner was misgendered. Uh, they left that Zoom event. They, they felt hurt by this. And the party eventually realized what was, what, what was done and apologized during the event internally personally and publicly we saw a statement from uh the then party president lorraine reckmans on twitter but then you know things sort of spiraled out of control further the leadership candidates got involved uh some of them issued a statement saying that you know the behavior that dr kirtner experienced or endured was part of a pattern of behavior that they experienced within the party and called on the party to address it. One of the candidates uh, in the race called the party's president uh, uninformed. So uh, Lorraine Reckmans told me in an interview that she felt maligned by those comments. Um, and you know what, for, for that reason and for a number of other reasons, she said, you know, I've had enough, I quit. She resigned from the party. So this is a big blow to the party because uh, during the situation with Annie Paul, uh, sources were telling me within the party that, look, you know, we have appointed an indigenous president, Reckman's as First Nations. And look, we have, uh, you know, after Paul left, look, you know, we, we can't be so bad if we have uh, Amita Kuttner, uh, who is non-binary and trans, but here you have the situation where uh, Kuttner is misgendered 
and then you have the indigenous president resigning. So, you know, it, it, it just spirals out of control because of this launch event, this, this time for the party, which is supposed to be turning a, a new leaf. And of course it gets worse from there, but maybe I'll just stop there, Eric, because, uh, yeah, well, I mean, it has been uh, one thing after another. There was rumors that the MPs uh, were going to uh, sit as independents because there was chat about there needed to be an investigation into these uh, harassment allegations and that, or, uh, you know, intimidation kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and that the leadership race should be postponed. And the leadership candidates, a lot of them didn't want that to happen. The M- the MPs, people said, they, someone had said that they were going to sit as independents. They deny that. Uh, it, it's just, it, it 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 has reverberated. And there's still chats. You had a story uh, just this week that they might reduce the number of voting. There's supposed to be two rounds of voting. Now there mm-hmm. might be just one. They're going to have less events. Uh, this internal thing is having an external impact on this leadership race. No, 100%. Yeah, 100% right. You know, and the MPs, according to an email that we got um, from one of the staffers of one of those MPs, they said, you know what, if you suspend this leadership race, uh, because there were internal conversations within the party after interim leader uh, Kuttner was, was misgendered, that they should suspend this race. If they did that, the MPs would leave the party and sit as independents. So uh, that went off like a bombshell within the party and outside the party. Uh, and then, well, you know, uh, Elizabeth May denies that 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 was the case, that she would ever sit as an independent. But anyways, we'll put that there. So the, the drama just continued and continued to spiral out of control. And so it's just not a good look for the Greens. They were hoping to turn a new leaf with this leadership race, that this would be the sign of renewal. But instead, it really just seems to be going in the opposite direction. Just two MPs. Uh... I mean, the leaks per capita for the Green Party is pretty high compared to, say, the Conservatives or the others, uh, the other parties. Uh, it is just a remarkable thing. But let's focus on the actual leadership race. Assuming it goes ahead as planned, there's going to be a first round of voting uh, that, with the results at the end of October. And the list of six candidates would be reduced to the top four, which would then go on to a second round of voting in November. It's an interesting approach. Uh, so, you know, it could be could be fun to watch to see how it's all going to play out. But they're doing something a little bit different this time because some of the candidates are running as co-candidates or co-leaders, uh, which is a complicated thing because the ballot's not designed for that. But um, we'll start with the candidates who aren't running as joint tickets. So there is Sarah Gabrielle Barron and Simon Nakini Messier. Can you tell me just a little bit about who they are? Yes. Yeah, so uh, Sarah Gabrielle Barron, she's been a Green, I believe, since 2005 and is really passionate about uh, opposing nuclear energy. So small modular nuclear react- reactors and, you know, which is pretty consistent with a lot of uh, green values and, and, and positions that the party has taken up, but that seems to be her big push. Uh, she also says on her website, she's anti-capitalist, anti-socialist, believes in the ideology of green ecology. Um, so, and then you have um, a second candidate who's running individually, uh, Simon Nuccini Messier. Uh, he is from the National Capital Region, lives in Gatineau, has ran provincially for the Greens in the riding of Hull Elmer, but he's a former NDPer, but has become disenchanted with the New Democrats because he didn't seem to be taking uh, climate change seriously, he's told me, and so he has turned from orange to green, 
and he really wants to step up and uh, throw his hat in the ring and run for the leadership of the party. So Simon Nurcini Messier, Sarah Gabriel Barron, two uh, individual candidates running a very traditional campaign the way we've seen in the past with the Greens, uh, running just, you know, to telling the party to elect them, elect them individually as leaders. So there are now the uh, two uh, sets of candidates. Now, this is not this is unusual in Canadian politics. The Quebec Solidaire in Quebec does have two co-spokespeople. They're not necessarily leaders. They're spokespeople, uh, but they have two leaders. But in a campaign, one of them has to come forward and be the candidate to be the premier, to be the candidate that goes to the debates. In Germany, for example, they're, they're, they have a co-leadership model for the Green Party there, which is an important party there that is in the, the governing coalition. Uh, so it's not an unusual thing in terms of green politics. It is a bit of a, a new thing in terms of federal politics, that's for sure. Well, first of all, how is actually are they going to handle this? Because each name is individually going to be on the ballot. So, yeah, it, it, it's it's there's still a lot of details about how this sort of core leadership model would work. Um, but from what the parties have been explaining to me, uh, it, you know, they'll, they'll get members to using the ranked ballot system that they're asking members to rank one of the candidates as their first choice and then the second candidate you know as the second choice so in the case of elizabeth may and jonathan petno uh, may would be considered they're asking members to select may as the second choice and then jonathan as their first choice and so once one of them is elected as leader officially of the party what they would do is at a convention or at an annual general meeting they will amend the party's constitution so that the greens would have uh a co-leadership model because currently in the constitution the party only has one leader so they'll go back to the membership they'll ask them to amend uh the constitution so that they can allow for this sort of slate but how would this work in an election that's 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 the thing because elections canada only allows for one party to have one leader but what has been explained explained to me by 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 some of these candidates what they would do is you know of course on paper they'd have one candidate but you know unofficially there would be two candidates and this would allow for a lot of versatility you'd be able to have one leader in one part of the country another leader in the other part of the country uh perhaps in the debates one leader would participate in the english language debate uh another leader would participate in the french language debate and what we're seeing with those two slates with either you know jonathan pedno or elizabeth may or the other slate uh chad walcott and anna keenan you know both are functionally bilingual uh, and, you know, yeah, that model could work. It would be very interesting. And I think it would make for, you know, a different type of politics, both, you know, within the Greens and nationally. Yeah, we'll see how that would work out. And if in the next election, two, the both of them were, if there was that model in place, elected to the House of Commons, how the speaker would decide who's the leader and all this kind of stuff. So it, it does uh, uh, open up some interesting things. In Quebec, it has been that mm -hmm. while the two Quebec Solidaire leaders are still technically the, uh, the, the co-spokespeople of the party, the focus tends to become just on one or the other. So I, I, I wonder if that would happen in a federal. So anyway, let's talk about those two slates. We'll start with the one that you, uh, you mentioned. Uh, well, you mentioned both, but Elizabeth May and Jonathan Pedno. Uh, obviously, one of those is a familiar face, the other one, not so much. Yeah, yeah, no. So Elizabeth May, she, you know, she has been the Green Party for uh, more than 10 years, uh, up until she stepped down after the 2019 election. Uh, I think Canadians know her very well. I probably don't need to go over, you know, mm -hmm. her history. Well, I, maybe you could explain what her reasoning is 
What has yeah. she said? Why she's coming back? Yeah, you know what? Like, it, I was shocked that she was running again. Like, I'm, I'm pretty well connected to the party, and the Toronto Star first broke the news, and I was, I was shocked because she said in 2019 when she stepped down from leadership of the party that she promised her daughter that she would not be, you know, uh, she would she would be moving, not moving on from politics because she's still an MP, but she would move on from a life that is consumed with politics and consumed with running the Green Party. So it was a shock to me and to so many people that she would get back in the race. Uh, and what she's explained to me is that, you know what, the climate crisis hasn't gotten any better since she's left. Her party has been in shambles. The situation is way too critical for her to just sit on the sidelines as an MP. She wasn't, she was the parliamentary leader of the Greens, but anyways, and so she had to put her hat in the ring and she has been meeting with with candidates, including Jonathan Pedno, was really impressed by by him and thought that, hey, let's give this co-leadership idea a try. And maybe they have the, the right stuff. She's 68. He's 32. You know, someone who is, I don't want to offend anyone, but is older and someone who is, is quite younger and, you know, he's, you know, uh, he's younger. So she said that, you know, this is, this is, this, this, this can work and she's, she wants to give it a try. So tell us a little bit about uh, Jonathan Pedno. It does seem like an interesting combination because Elizabeth May, uh, as you said, she's been around for a long time. So it is, it doesn't suggest a new face for the party. But then you have Pedno, who is younger. Uh, he is, is francophone. So that's a, a weakness that Elizabeth May certainly had. Gives, uh, gives some mm -hmm. potentially interesting options. Tell us a little bit about him. Yeah, so he's, you know, relatively unknown to the political scene, um, along with the other candidates, except May. Uh, he's worked as an activist uh, against genocide, as a journalist as well. Uh, he's traveled abroad, it seems, just from reading his biography, quite significantly worked in the Horn of Africa, in Sudan, in Somalia, uh, in these places that are geopolitical hotspots. Uh, and yeah, he's a young guy. He's right. He's out, out on around the country right now, posting on TikTok and, and, and Instagram about his campaigns and travels. And I think May and him are hoping that he presents this fresh new face and the future of where the Greens should be going. And you, you mentioned how he's been around in, in some difficult places of the world. There was a, an interesting interview I saw with him and Elizabeth May, and the question was whether he would more or less be dominated by Elizabeth May, and he said that he's been around uh, despots and dictators so he can handle Elizabeth May. I'm not sure if that was complimentary to Elizabeth May, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I, I, I don't, yeah, that, that, that definitely says something, but... They believe that they have what is required to, you know, take the Green Party in the next direction, that they form a good team. And we'll see if it works. We'll see if it works, I think, Eric. It's just something that we'll have to see. I, the Greens are hoping, I, I suppose, for a breakthrough in Quebec. So he's from uh, Quebec and she's from BC, another place with, you know, a lot of support for the Green Party. And then the other... Uh, uh, joint slate. You have Anna Keenan and Chad Walcott. Chad Walcott's also from Quebec, and Anna Keenan is from Atlanta, Canada, another place where the Greens uh, have some support. So tell us a little bit about this joint ticket. Yeah, so both are experienced Greens. 
as you mentioned, uh, Keenan is from uh, Prince Edward Island. She's run for the party in 2021 and 2019. It didn't do too well in the last election, uh, along with, I mean, basically the whole party. Uh, but in 2019, she came in second, uh, beating the Conservatives in the riding of Maltech. Walcott, on the other hand, hasn't run for the Greens federally, but he has run for the Greens uh, provincially in Quebec. He is fully bilingual uh, and he has been an activist and an advocate uh, working on the ground, not just for the provincial party, but for other organizations as well. So they are presenting themselves as this joint ticket. And also, you know, they haven't released a lot of policy, but I, I could tell you, Eric, they seem to be uh, positioning themselves and running their campaign, not ignoring <laughs> the, the, the turmoil the party seems to be, be in. And so they seem to structure their whole campaign around, okay, what we bring to the table is our organizing, our experience, and we can help turn this party around and sort out the internal dynamics. That seems to be their number one priority and their number one policy position that they're putting forward. Do you get a sense from either of these joint slates that they would take the party in a really different direction? Or is, is obviously, if it's Elizabeth May, you would assume it's going to be largely how it was before. But, you know, in the last leadership race, it enemy Paul, who you would call maybe the centrist candidate from the Green Party perspective. And you had, um, what was his name? Dimitri Lascaris, yeah. Dimitri Lascaris, yes, who was the, you know, the eco-socialist kind of far, much further to the left kind of candidate. Do you do you sense that kind of divide is happening again in the party or is it uh, no, or, yeah, that, or not? That that seemed to be the divide in the last in the last race. Um, you had more centrist candidates such as Annie Paul, who represented some would say the establishment within the Greens, and then you had uh, candidates like like Lascaris, who were much more to the left, who were turning themselves as eco socialists, and were were really really hell bent on on bringing socialist principles back into the party, abolishing billionaires, abolishing. Uh, police and, and the military and just making taking the party um, to a hard left turn. It's early on in the race. Uh, we haven't yet seen that sort of divide. We haven't really seen any candidates presenting themselves about that. This race just seems to be about, you know, internal party politics and getting back to where the Greens were and stemming the bleeding and fixing the internal troubles that this party has been experiencing. I mean, how can you not ignore it uh, if they seem to have surfaced back again during the leadership race? So that seems to be the story. And it seems to be that the race, it's, it's still very early and we don't have polling to really confirm this, but just from my own observations, it seems to be that if anything, it seems to be a race between May and Pedno, that slate, and then the uh, Keenan and Walcott slate. So, but you know, it's still very early days and we haven't really had an official debate yet, so we'll see how things shape up. Yeah, and um, it is hard to get a sense, and I'm not even sure because of the timeline if we'll have you know, fundraising data or anything like that that we'll be able to look at. In the last race, you could see that Annemie Paul was raising the most money, so it was mm -hmm. a bit uh, more obvious that she would be the front runner there. So we'll see if we get any, any data. You would think that Elizabeth May brings some... You know, she brings her, she brings her name, but you also wonder if that's 
in a way also a, a negative as well, right? If people within the party feel like it's time to move on. Um, so there's definitely that there, feeling. Yeah, because this isn't a slate of well-known candidates. Now, there wasn't a slate of well-known candidates last time. The most well-known name was maybe Glenn Murray, because he used to have been uh, an Ontario cabinet minister. He was a, a mayor of Winnipeg. Uh, but why didn't any of the bigger names come forward? You know, Mike Morris d- decided not to run. The, the only other Green MP, uh, Paul Manley, the former MP, didn't run. Uh, none of the provincial leaders stepped up. Uh, Alex Terrell star- tried to run, but he was disqualified by the party, uh, the Quebec uh, party leader. But do you think, do, why, why, why is the slate not as, I don't know, there's not a lot of well-known people here? That's a good question. And I, 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 I haven't really spoken to a lot of the, the former candidates who are in the race because sometimes, you know, in the, you know, candidates who, who, who weren't successful in previous leadership races, they throw their hat in the ring. They have uh, fundraising and capacity experience. And, you know, it's not really hard to, for them to just p- kind of pick up where they left off. And, and it's true. There's no repeat candidates yeah. this time. Yeah, there isn't. You know, ter- as you mentioned, Terrell was, was one of them who ran in the last leadership race. He, he dropped out, but intended to run again. The party expelled him for reasons we won't get into. So I, I, I really don't know. I mean, the question has to be asked is just, you know, did candidates see what was happening, prospective candidates see what was happening within the party, what happened to Annamie Paul, and just say, you know what, the situation is just really too toxic. Uh, the financial situation of the party is in a state uh, you know, we, we just can't, you know, I'm not going to touch this. It's just way too toxic. I'm not going to jump in. Uh, it would just require a lot of work. It might be why this contest seems to be largely about resetting in a way, getting the party back to its kind of foundation so that they can start rebuilding. hundred percent, hundred percent. That, that is, that is why, and I think that's the defining issue during this campaign and the question that candidates will, will have to ask and members will probably be asking the candidates is just how do you rebuild this party? Uh, but yeah, just an answer to that question, you, you know, a party that is rebuilding, a party that has had these long-standing issues probably won't be that attractive to uh, people who are, are considering, you know, running. Politics is hard, hard enough. Uh, add to that this, you know, divisive type of, of uh, rhetoric that we're seeing online and offline. You can imagine that People would probably say, you know, the political arena is toxic enough. I don't need my party, uh, you know, cutting me down or, or, or trying to get rid of me or defeat me uh, on top of what I would have to do, deal with, you know, outside of it. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, there is about a month or so before the voting is over. What are you going to be looking for over the next few weeks in terms of just, you know, an important kind of milestone kind of thing that you think is going to be? Uh, give us a good sense of yeah. what's happening in this race. So October 14th, first round of voting, if they don't change that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I'm going to be watching to see, of course, who, who makes it through. Um, my sense is that the slates will probably make it through. They seem to be the most organized. They seem to be breaking through in terms of getting their message out there. I think it's going to be a matchup between you know these 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 two slates 
Uh, that's what I'm going to be watching for. I'm. What else am I going to be watching for? I guess. I guess just how they're going to rebuild this party. I think that's going to be the defining issue, as as we keep mentioning in this race. It's just how do they fix what's going on in the greens? I'm also going to be watching if this race continues, right? Like I, I don't think we can necessarily rule that out, especially when you had uh, the outgoing president pretty strong on on, on saying that you know, this race should not continue. They should, the party should focus on investigating the allegations of of systemic discrimination within the party. Uh, so we'll be watching to see if they follow through. This don't forget, this is a party that doesn't have a lot of money. It's relying on a lot of volunteers. Um, we just reported recently that a number of people have resigned. <laughs> on top of the president, on top of the other turmoil that's been happening. They've resigned from the party's leadership committee. Uh, it shouldn't be laughing. It's not a laughing matter. It's a serious matter. People, that's freaked out a lot of people within the Green Party. And so if you've had people resign from the leadership committee, committee Eric, you know, uh, there are questions about, you know, whether this leadership race will continue, whether it will have to be postponed or paused, uh, just for the mere fact that it's a party that doesn't have a lot of staff. Uh, and relies on a lot of volunteers, and the volunteers that they had already um, have sort of quit amid all of this drama within the Greens. You know, you you mentioned that it means a lot for the people within the party, but politics is about selling something to voters, right? And it it is going to be a challenge for the Greens, I think, to, to get to that place where they can say, we are ready to take on the big issues facing the country, and not just the issues that are facing our own our own party, our own membership, because those are important. If you're a Green mm. Party volunteer and you really care about the party, those are big deals. But the average voter, not that interested in that internal kind of fight. So uh, I, I feel like, David, you know, this is not a race that we thought that was going to get maybe a lot of attention, but you do seem to have a lot on your plate. So I do appreciate you coming on and explaining the race. And yeah. we'll chat again before it's all over. Yeah, anytime. Thanks for having me on. Thanks again to David for that. On Monday, there will be a by-election in the Saskatchewan riding of Saskatoon, Mawasson. This was the seat vacated by former Saskatchewan NDP leader Ryan Miley. It'll be a first test for new party leader Carla Beck. The NDP won the seat in a 2017 by-election. Prior to that, the Saskatchewan party held the riding. For subscribers to The Red, I'll have my next bonus episode on the Quebec election with Philip J. Fournier out probably on Tuesday. So look out for that. And if you aren't a subscriber and you don't want to miss it, you can head to therit.ca to subscribe. Next week's regular episode of the podcast will be with Philip as well. We're going to give our last takes on the Quebec election before the vote on October 3rd. That podcast is likely to come out a little bit later than usual, not on the Friday. You can look out for it on Saturday or Sunday next weekend. Okay, that'll be it for this week. Till next time, thanks for listening.